The 2021 college football season is finally here. It's been an incredible preseason for CFB Winning Edge. We've broken records for downloads and listens of the CFB Winning Edge podcast and are recently surpassed a milestone of 100 Patreon supporters. Our Patreon supporters help keep this show ad-free and also help fund all the off-season improvements and updates, including our 2021 FBS team profiles, statistical projections, CFF rankings, and more. We could not do it without you. Thank you and have a great season. Welcome back, everybody. It's the newest edition of College Football Winning Edge and the newest season of CFB Winning Edge. We have a week zero preview going for you today. It's going to be a little different than our normal, uh, you know, season previews and all that stuff because it is, you know, quote unquote week zero, which gets lumped into week one. But all it means is we have games this weekend. We have five of them. Four of them have lines because one of them involves an FCS school. So. We are going to talk about those games on the show today. And if you guys are not familiar with us, I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined by the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen at CFB Winning Edge on the Twitter machine and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. And um, Nick, I mean, look, man, I'm pumped. We're going to get actual non-preseason football on the television this weekend. I am super excited about it. These games are okay. I mean, that, that's what I would say about looking at these games. But, you know, after a weird 2020, we will take every single thing that we can possibly get. going to be fans in the stands in most places. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, w- what do we got for uh, week zero here? Yeah, well, I, I, to that, I'd say that uh, some games are better than no games, right? And so yes, we've had, we've had uh, quite a while where we've where we've had no games. So even though we have uh, just four FBS versus FBS uh, games to watch and, and five uh, total with the who's it, San Jose State, I think, plays uh, plays an FCS opponent in week zero. Uh, but hey, it gives us gives us something uh, to look forward to this week. We're finally. Uh, able to project and, and predict actual games. We just wrapped up, of course, our 130 uh, different team, every conference preview podcast series. And we're recording this immediately after the SEC uh, podcast, which is why we're trying to, to keep it short and sweet here. Uh, and also why, I don't know about you guys, I I, I think feel a little bit loopy. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully we'll, we'll get through this. And, and I did tell Xavier to put me on a four-minute timer uh, when we talk about each game. So I, I will try my very best not to go on and on, but usually we might give you a little bit more detail. Uh, but for these four games, first we wanted to explain our projections and how those might differ from our predictions. Uh, if this is your first time listening to one of our uh, weekly preview shows, or if you didn't listen to, to any of our uh, conference previews, We don't necessarily do best bets, locks of the week, that type of thing. Uh, We mostly use, uh, you know, projections against the spread kind of to grade whether or not our, uh, you know, power ratings are are working. 
we have three different power rating systems, um, one of which is a talent-only model, one of which is a stats-only model, and then our official model kind of combines those two as well as some coaching information and, and things like that. Uh, and those we officially will grade against the spread, uh, and we release all of our projections each week to our Patreon supporters. So if you've been following us on Patreon, um, you've actually seen the write-up of, of all uh, four week zero games uh, already. Last week on, on Wednesday, we actually wrote those up and, and released those to our Patreon supporters. And our week zero uh, write-up will again be this Wednesday. And, and typically each week, all of those uh, picks, quote-unquote, are available to our Patreon supporters uh, before we record this podcast. So we like to, uh, you know, give the, the value to people who are investing in us. And we certainly want our listeners to, to uh, you know, hear what we have to say and, and hopefully will be helpful uh, with that as well. But uh, if, if you want early information on, on all of these games, uh, do support us, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. But yeah, week zero, four games, Nebraska at Illinois, uh, Hawaii at UCLA, UTEP at New Mexico State, UConn at Fresno State. Which which one do you guys want to get to first? Uh, Xavier, I'll let I'll you know uh, age before beauty here, so uh, uh, you can pick. Yeah, let's let's go let's go with let's go with UConn at Fresno State. <laughs> Fresno State in a walk. What's the next game? <laughs> basically i mean that, that's what that's, what that's way got. less than four minutes right Nick? hey you know that's that's uh keep keep me on schedule but get, at least give me the full four minutes right <laughs> uh but uh yeah no our our uh talent edge model which is only talent uh factors like raw you know 247 sports ratings our roster strength ratings that we adjust for experience and uh career production Give Fresno State a double-digit uh, edge in, in that projected point spread. Our stats-only model, which I'll call PRISM for uh, projected scoring margin, um, that one is also a, a double-digit Fresno State favorite. Both of those models, it's it's difficult to get to really, really high uh, point spreads. And, and you know, Fresno State is favored by 27.5, the over-under 62.5. Um, so, you know, it, it's difficult for those, especially when you've got two, uh, group of five or, or, you know, non-power five, uh, conference teams going up against one another. It's really difficult for those other two, the, the talent only and stats only models to get to 28, you know, so those are going to be on the underdog more often than not in games like this. However, we have a, a wider distribution. The, the tails are longer with that official model. And we actually have Fresno State favored by uh, almost 35 points, 33 uh, and, and two-thirds uh, points. So pretty big edge there of, of, you know, what is that, six points, uh, basically. We don't necessarily think that a wider uh, or, you know, a, a bigger number doesn't always equate to, oh, that's, you know, that much more of a lock against, again, we don't really do locks, but um, we do see Fresno State as the clear heavy favorite in our official model. So uh, the two model or the three models don't all agree, but Fresno State, we do also have a, a, a matchup 
graphic that we send out with our write-up each week, and it goes position by position. It goes, you know, comparing roster strength from one team to the other, head coaching rating, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator rating, team performance, all of that. Fresno State has an edge in every single category except linebacker. And we do 20 different categories. Fresno State has the edge in 19 of them. UConn has just a, a, you know, their linebacker core ranks 94th nationally, and Fresno State's is uh, 122. So uh, that's the only real weakness. UConn didn't play at all last year. Fresno State looked great on offense, has a lot of firepower. We expect a, a pretty big day for the Bulldogs. Our final score prediction is Fresno State 49, UConn 14. Uh, and that has them covering the 27 and a half and uh, also uh, hits the over of 62 and a half uh, as well. So we, we expect Fresno State to, to put on a show offensively. Uh, Xavier, do you have any uh, thoughts on this game in particular, UConn and Fresno State? I mean, I think the 27 and a half line is wild. I mean, yes, UConn is not the greatest team on the face of the planet. Let's get that, let's get that out of the way. Right but, away. but also, let's let's take into account rust. I mean, we've seen even one of the best players uh, in college football the last couple of years, Jamar Chase, struggle with rust because he didn't play uh, last year at all. And imagine guys that aren't even close to his level and okay. a whole group of them uh, playing right now. So I I don't, I don't know. I are you are you saying you might take UConn? I'm saying, I'm saying, first game of the year, twenty-seven and a half is a massive margin, in the slim chance that UConn hits a field goal with two seconds left in the game to make it twenty-four points. I would not be surprised. I, I just, I just think this has bad, has a bad beat written all over it, where UConn somehow puts together a drive late in the game, scores a nothing garbage touchdown, and you I know, smell the, a bet. I, I, you want a bet? It? It's the first episode of the year. Let's let's it's do it. It's the first game we've covered. You and yeah, me. You want to bet? Yeah. Let's do uh, let's do hundred of our uh, hyp- hypothetical dollars. How about that? That is uh, perfectly fine by me, right. sir. Didn't think yes. I'd be betting on Fresno State and uh, UConn in Week One, but here we go. Didn't think I'd ever be betting on UConn <laughs> outside of basketball. <laughs> so, <this is> just, <laughs> fingers crossed here, UConn. I'm taking this bet though. Uh, I, I just think 27 and a half is, is, a, is a viciously large line going into the first week of the year where you really, you know, we, we've had weirder things happen. I mean, we had, what was it, last was it last year or two years ago that we had Hawaii and Arizona combined for the most turnovers in a game, you know, or, or, or close to with Arizona and each of them having like five. So anything's, anything's possible in week zero. Anything's possible. That's true. That's very true. What's the next game up here? Let's go to Nebraska and Illinois, Nick. Let's do that one. So when we released this to our patrons last uh, Wednesday, our Patreon supporters, Nebraska was a six and a half point favorite. The over under is still 55. Uh, but if you're interested in, in using our projections for, you know, being your, your uh, own uh, money, you, you might want to get that early look at it because it's since moved to seven and our projection uh, for our final score prediction is Nebraska 31, Illinois 24. So that's right on both numbers, basically. I mean, you know, uh, favored by seven and the the total at 55. Now we will do some rounding one way or the other to uh, actually give us something to grade. And unless it's right on that whole number, uh, we, we will choose a side just for our own purposes. 
but our official projection model has uh, Nebraska favored by 7.3 points. The stats only model has Nebraska only favored by 1.2. So that's pretty close the way we line those up. Uh, but the talent edge is, is pretty big uh, in favor of the Cornhuskers. More than two touchdowns, 16 and a quarter points on that one. So uh, we were able to you know, find a little bit of, of an edge to feel better about Nebraska minus six and a half at minus seven. It's basically right on. Uh, and the over under, um, we would uh, round down to be under that 55 based on, on calculating everything up. But a uh, little more evenly matched as far as a lot of our talent numbers go. Illinois actually has a slightly stronger running back unit. Uh, a, a very, very small margin, but slightly stronger offensive line. And then the linebacker core uh, is, uh, you know, in, in Illinois' favor as well. Jake Hansen, 100-rated player, uh, kind of helps carry that unit. We also give Illinois a, a small edge in defensive coordinator rating, uh, and they did a little bit better last year in uh, both passing and rushing offensive team performance. But Every other category goes to Nebraska. We think that Adrian Martinez uh, gives them a pretty big edge at that position over Brandon Peters. Um, the, the talent ratings, as we mentioned, are, are very much in Nebraska's favor. Pretty much Illinois is outside of the top 50 in roster strength, offensive roster strength, defensive roster strength. Nebraska is in the top 30 in all three, including uh, a 22nd overall roster strength rating and an 18th on the offensive side of the ball. So not a huge edge here. This isn't, you know, one that uh, is why, you know, we, we saw a much bigger, uh, much wider gap in the, the Fresno State and, and UConn projection our official model. But again, that final score prediction, 31-24, lines up very, very closely with, with what the odds makers have. Xavier, what do you think of Nebraska and Illinois? I mean, I, I want to take Illinois so bad because Nebraska has <laughs> disappointed me so much over the last couple of years. And they've got off the field stuff swirling with their head coach mm -hmm. and everything. But the talent just it's heavy in yeah, Nebraska's is. favor, as Nick said. So what do you think here? I think Nebraska wins this game. I think they're, they're able to handle business. I, I think this is one of those games where Adrian Martinez, just being the much more talented quarterback, is able to will his team to a win here. Uh, and this is where the Nebraska fans get hype about, you know, Adrian Martinez being a dark horse Heisman candidate after one week of play. And only after Illinois, uh, I, I see this happening. And I think the seven, the touchdown only spread is a little, is a little short for me. I, I would like closer to 10. Uh, I don't think Illinois is that close of a team when it comes to Nebraska. I know we, you know, we've talked about, we, we obviously you guys need to go back and listen to the big 10 episode uh, to listen about both teams. But I, I think Nebraska is at least for me, a comfortably 10 point uh, better team than them. You know, we're also, you know, you're talking about all the, you know, the things going on with the head coach situation in Nebraska. Well, the head coach situation at Illinois is brand new, you know, so this is Brett Bielema's first ball game. Let's see how he, let's see how it goes. You know, it could go really swimmingly and they could upset Nebraska quote unquote, or, or they could end up, you know, losing this game by, by 10 plus. And, and we really get to see what Scott Frost and company really have to do. I mean, his job's on the line. Regardless. So, yeah. I mean, you, you think that if any game he's going to put, you know, his best foot forward, it's going to be game number one uh, week, you know, week zero, where typically, where, you know, all eyes are going to be on Nebraska for a week. So. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully Nebraska gets off to a good start and can build some momentum. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Nick, you said that 
uh, Adrian Martinez way better than Brandon Peters. I just don't know if that's the case anymore. You know? Well, our, our ratings, and we've talked about it before, as, as Xavier mentioned, you know, he, he was a highly rated guy coming out of high school. Uh, he has had some productive moments. I mean, he's had some 300-yard passing games. He's had some 100-yard rushing games. And we, you know, give him credit for that. So he's he's played enough football and been uh, productive enough in spots that he's a 97-rated player according to our individual uh, player ratings. And and I would absolutely agree with the argument that he is overrated, uh, you know, uh, according to that number. But when he's good, he can be really good. So it's it's uh, we don't downgrade players very often. And though Adrian Martinez might be close to, to that line. And if he, you know, struggles coming out of the gate, I, I think we might uh, have to. But I've seen him be a difference maker at times. And so right now, even though he's uh, maybe slightly overrated, um, you know, I'm, I'm, we're sticking with it. And, and so he does have a, an edge in that particular matchup. And, and he kind of, you know, boosts Nebraska's quarterback uh, ranking where right now they're seventh in our position strength rating at the quarterback position. That absolutely seems too high. Uh, Brandon Peters, you know, is uh, an 87 rated player and Illinois quarterback position is 38. So that also might be a little overrated. That might actually be more what we would expect Nebraska to look like. But uh, for now, yeah, in, in the way we calculate it, uh, about a 10 point edge there between the two. All right, let's go over to UTEP against New Mexico State in this one. Uh, New Mexico State is a uh, is their plus nine here. The over is fifty five. Uh, you, I mean these these are not great teams, but UTEP did make decent strides last year. Are they going to be able to build on that, Nick? So there are a lot of really smart, sharp people that I follow or have conversations with, things like that who are really optimistic about UTEP this year. They did, you know, do some good things last season. They uh, won three games, came out of the, you know, came out of the gate looking, uh, looking strong. The only problem is they, you know, feasted basically on, on some really, uh, you know, less than, less than uh, elite uh, opponents. They beat two FCS opponents in the first three weeks, Stephen F. Austin and Abilene Christian, and then played ULM, who was arguably the worst FBS uh, team that we saw last year. And those two FCS games were not blowouts by any stretch. They beat Stephen F. Austin by 10. They beat Abilene Christian by four. Uh, and that game was still hanging in the balance pretty, pretty late on. But they did blow out ULM. And they, you know, played tough in uh, Conference USA the rest of the year. They were in a, a bit of a difficult spot, had to play four away games, um, had multiple double or, or, you know, had two weeks off here, three weeks off there where they weren't able to play, whether it was an opponent dealing with COVID issues. I think they uh, eventually had COVID issues that they had to navigate as well. Um, so it was, you know, a difficult time, but they – played close against Louisiana Tech. Uh, they lost by 10 to Charlotte, and they lost by two against North Texas in a game that they actually had an 83% post-game win expectancy, according 
to cfb-graphs.com, uh, who we use for our, our post-game win expectancy numbers. So uh, at times, this UTEP team, you know, had had some bright spots, and the defensive line is actually a pretty good unit. They only rank 90th in our unit ratings, but uh, praise Amawule and uh, Keenan Stewart specifically are both players that have a 90 rating according to our individual player ratings. They've got a pretty solid running back in Deion Hankins, a uh, 215-pound guy, you know, got got a pretty heavy workload last year and, and performed decently well. Quadrez Wadley missed most of last season with injury, has really missed the last two seasons with injury, but he's back as a super senior, uh, former starter for them, and, and you know, gives them a, a pretty good one-two punch there. Jacob Cowling, Justin Garrett are a solid one-two duo at wide receiver. So there are there are spots to absolutely like, and UTEP does have a pretty big, you know, edge position by position uh, in that matchup graphic against New Mexico State. They have every position on the field. They have roster strength, overall offense and defense, uh, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. The only difference is New Mexico State has a slightly better team performance rating uh, but it's just two spots, and it's only against two FCS opponents in the spring, one of which they were blown out in that game. You know, UTEP wasn't super impressive against its FCS opponents, but at least they didn't get blown out by one. Uh, and then, you know, New Mexico State, one spot higher in offensive team performance, and then four spots higher in offensive rushing team performance because uh, Juwan Price, Richard Freshman, you know, had a, had a pretty strong showing uh, in the spring. So... They, you know, there's a lot of reason to think that UTEP absolutely should win this game, should win this game pretty heavily. Uh, I am not, again, a lock of the week type guy, best bet type guy. We don't necessarily do that sort of thing. The closest that we get to that is last year was the first year that we publicly had all three projection models. We did take special note when all three of them lined up on the same side of a, of a bet, of a game. And in those situations, we went 111, 83, and 1, which was a 57.2 win percentage. This game happens to be one of those games. I think UTEP is much improved, but they're still just 125th in our power rate. I absolutely see where people are, uh, you know, excited about UTEP to the point thinking that, you know, their early season schedule is manageable enough. They could maybe make a run at a bowl game. But just the way that our projections work, we don't see a nine-point difference in, in this game. We have uh, in the stats-only model, UTEP just favored by one. In the talent edge, UTEP is a field goal favorite. In the overall, it gets just a little bit, little bit bigger, but it's still just five and a quarter points. So all three of our models actually do line up on New Mexico State plus nine. And I know there are some smart and sharp people out there who are thinking that that UTEP is going to absolutely, uh, you know, pick up a blowout win, start one and zero, oh, and and just cruise in, in this game. And I could see it. I actually don't love New Mexico State plus nine, but Last year, this was a really, really good situation for us. New Mexico State does have the game at home. 
you know, the, the talent numbers aren't very different. So we're on New Mexico State plus nine. It's our first. All three agree. I'm not very confident that we'll start one and oh, but, uh, you know, we, we have a, a decent track record uh, looking back at, at how it worked last year. Xavier, what do you think here between uh, these two teams? I mean, you know, uh, not not the most exciting game, but you got to get excited about the games we have. This is why I got excited about Rutgers and UMass last year, right? So, um, but I mean, we seem to have an edge in this one. Are you going to take it? Yeah, I mean, you would think UTEP is supposed to be favored by more. You got to, right? Like, there's no way that UTEP is only a nine-point favorite and you're not taking this. I'm thinking 14-plus, got to be. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> Nick, I mean, Nick hit it right on the head. New Mexico State got blown up by an FCS team in the spring. It's not like it was long ago. It was it, it was just a couple months ago that we were like, wow, New Mexico State really <laughs> looked bad. Like, you got to well, When UTEP. has UTEP looked good? Does it matter? Okay, to exactly to Nick's credit. I guess ULM, they, they look pretty good. But that was one game against a really yeah. good team. But that's a P5 team. That's a P5 team. What would that FCS team be, like 225? <laughs> like, you know, hey, you got you to gotta use what the information is given to you. And, and I know right. one team was able to win their games against G5s or against, excuse me, against FCS in New Mexico State, which, you know, getting the doors beat off of them by an FCS program. I'm going with UTEP here. Big. Uh, yeah, All right. Yeah. UTEP big. I like it. Uh the right. last the last game oh. that we had. Oh, you got more? Go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say if you got, if you need any more proof as to why I take UTEP, go type in Tarleton State in Google. When it comes up in the schedule, <laughs> their logo does not exist. When you look at oh, New Mexico State's Lord. logo, it does not exist, but they beat them 43 to 17. Yeah, right. yeah that, that yeah, was a rough were, one. They were that was by the way, Tarleton State's first. FCS game. They were transitioning from Division Two. Come on. <laughs> I mean, look. I know. Was, I don't. I don't love the side that we're on, but uh, it was it was weird for New Mexico State as well. Is all I'll say. So it was. Uh, you know, who, and they're going to be know, better. New Mexico they're playing State. in the spring. You know, that's strange stuff. And so. they were missing two of their most talented players: Amari Samuels, transfer from Michigan, and uh, Eli Johnson, who's former starting center at Ole Miss. Both those guys didn't play in the spring. They'll be there this time. That, you know, it, there's, there's, you can make an argument to, to see our side a little bit in a little bit better light, but I think I would rather be on UTEP minus nine. Now we'll, we'll record it. We always do whatever the numbers say. That's what we do. And when all three agree, we, we don't stray from that. But uh, I, I, I think we might be on the wrong side, quite honestly. All right. Let's go to the last game here, and that one would be UCLA, as my cat walks across my keyboard, UCLA versus Hawaii. And this one uh, has a pretty big line. UCLA is a 17-point favorite. The over is 68-and-a-half. Uh, do we have a good lean on this one, Nick? Uh, in some in some ways. And this, this is, uh, you know, similar in that the, the three – uh, models are, you know, give us give us kind of a wide range of outcomes. The talent edge, you absolutely would expect UCLA to have a big-time talent edge against Hawaii. It's nearly 37 points, where if we only took talent factors like, you know, 247 rating, rivals rating, uh, our roster strength ratings, which are adjusted for experience and uh, production, it, it would make sense that you would think UCLA, who has, uh, you know, top 15 talent, top 15 in roster strength 
sixth in offensive roster strength. You would think that they would be a, a very, very heavy favorite over a middle-of-the-pack uh, Mountain West team that really recruits in the, the very bottom of F, you know FBS teams. Hawaii ranks 107th in roster strength overall, 116th on the offensive side of the ball, 93rd uh, on the defensive side. Hawaii had a, a really, really solid year last year, and, and Todd Graham, uh, to his credit, was able to come in and, and I think overachieve and, and was able to find uh, some really interesting, exciting players. Calvin Turner Jr., who's listed as a running back and wide receiver. One of my favorite players to watch in college football, one of the most versatile players, a former FCS quarterback who came to Hawaii as a uh, expecting to play defense and, and then becomes one of the top really performers at the uh, uh, a variety of offensive positions in the group of five and, and played a big role in helping Hawaii make it to a bowl game, win a bowl game. So, uh, you know, they, they overachieved a little bit, played higher than played better than their talent uh, would suggest um, to the point where in our stats only model, you know, and, and you could certainly make the argument that especially in years past, uh, UCLA has struggled to live up to its talent profile. So uh, the, the projection is much, much closer there, where we actually only have UCLA favored by a little over three points in our PRISM uh, projected scoring margin model. Uh, so those are, are, you know, very, very wide range there. Our official projection is, you know, gives a, gives a decent edge. Actually, our biggest, if you just look at raw um, or, or, you know, absolute value here uh, edge of, of these four games because we have UCLA projected as a 25 point favorite. Uh, I think it's probably a good bit closer to that, but I understand UCLA, especially if Dorian Thompson Robinson is full go. He does appear probable uh, to start uh, missed some time early in camp with an undisclosed something, uh, but has been back at practice in the past week uh, the running backs are, are you know, solid. Brenton Brown, uh, Josh Charbonnet are, are, you know, talented guys, top 25 running back uh, group, according to our numbers. Skill positions as a whole are a strength, the top five unit when you factor in uh, that they've got one of the better tight ends in the country and Greg Dulcich, some talent at, at receiver as well. Um, UCLA is a team that a lot of folks think is, you know, top 25 caliber, maybe a uh, dark horse Pac-12 South contender type team. That would be, you know, that I'm I'm that's a little too much for me, I think. And our projections are a little lower on on UCLA, but they're 24th in our power ratings, which is you know uh, 70, uh, what 80 spots almost higher higher than uh, than Hawaii right now. So we expect a, a fairly easy UCLA win. I certainly could see some scenarios where Hawaii. Uh, keeps things a little bit closer, especially if they rely on the running game, which they did last year, a big switch from the uh, run-and-shoot era of Nick Rolovich. Chevin Cordero, quarterback, runs quite a bit. Calvin Turner, Day-Day Hunter, you know, they've, they've got some things going on the ground, maybe can shorten the game a little bit. But I think UCLA's talent, uh, you know, I, I do believe in that, and I do think UCLA is ready to take another step uh, this season and, and be a much more consistent and, and pretty competitive team 
throughout. So uh, our prediction and based on our, our official projection is UCLA 42, Hawaii 17. That's under uh, the total and, and that total is moving in you know the the right direction for us but uh but yeah we're on ucla minus 17 in this one and and i don't i don't hate it but i'm not absolutely in love with it either xavier what's your opinion on this uh ucla hawaii game because i mean ucla is just they, they gotta write the ship this year right i mean you would think so i mean in this game really i think hangs in the balance of how healthy dorian thompson robinson is i mean i i expect ucla to win this game However, to, to cover 17 without your starting quarterback at 100% might be a little bit more difficult, um, it, especially with an offense like Hawaii typically has and, and has had in the past. They're going to give at the very least. They're going to give you a run for your money in a shootout type of fashion. They're not going to go away quietly. It's not going to be one of those games where, you know, you, you put up 21 points early and you can kind of coast the rest of the way. Hawaii's not going to go away uh, at all in this game because this could be a pretty big win for their program um, and, and especially set them on the right direction. So, UCLA's got to treat this game, you know, as every game this year for them is pretty big. We talked about in their in their uh, we talked about in the Pac-12 uh, preview that UCLA is one of those teams that this year really needs to get it going. If they're going to make a bowl game, if they're going to start to be one of the better teams in the Pac-12, this is the year to do it because of the talent that they have. Because you feel like Dorian Thompson Robinson will take that next step into uh, in his maturation process. And so you feel like this is the game to, to, to make a statement, to beat a, t- a Hawaii team that you should absolutely dominate, beat them by 21-plus, and really you know set your sights on bigger uh, on bigger fish this year and handle your business in week one. We've also seen Pac-12 teams in the past. Uh, I feel like I'm really crapping on Arizona in this episode. But, you know, like in Arizona, not take this game seriously and end up losing it. Uh, and so I feel like UCLA needs to take this game very seriously. Hawaii, like I said, has had a track record of beating Pac-12 teams. And at the very least, having a potent enough offense to at least stick with you for a while. Um, I want to see what the health of Dorian Thompson-Robinson looks like because this is one of those games where, as a coach, you're kind of feeling like we could probably beat Hawaii without him playing all you know, all 60 minutes. But do we want to see him? But do we not want to have him in the game and possibly get into a position where we need him to come in and play? So his health, obviously, is going to be huge for UCLA all season. And it's just and it's big in this game as well. All right. Well, I think that is it for week zero, right, Nick? That's all the games that we got. I think that's it for this week. And uh, tried to keep it under thirty minutes. We almost got there, I think. But hey, uh, that's a, that. We'll take a victory lap on thirty. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Uh, you know, that's uh, and, and with some editing, it should be right around thirty. Yeah, so. and we're and we're well into our fourth hour together after that. That's yeah. right. And we I've got one more show to go tonight too. Hey, so. there you go. There you go. <laughs> Lots of but, stuff going on, but, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a little more detail next time. But hopefully, this will uh, and much more games get us started. Way we'll knock games. our own mm-hmm. uh, rust off and and uh, have a good normal uh, ninety minute show next week for week one. That's right. So uh, remember, you can follow us all on Twitter at Bogman Sports for me at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. And we will see you guys next week. Good luck on all your Week Zero bets. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Mm-hmm.